Tuning in, Sports Blog New York podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud. You know the deal. It's everywhere that you listen to podcasts. And today, I have a very special guest, my man from thepostgame.com, Jeff Eisenband. Jeff, thanks for taking some time, man. I appreciate talking to you. Absolutely no problem. Glad to be here. So, oh, man, I don't want to just jump super quickly right into it, but it's a pretty interesting time in New York sports because, always. you know, on, yeah, always <laughs> is, right? On one hand, we got a new coach for the Knicks. The Yankees are, like, absolutely on fire, and the Mets are on the opposite type of fire. Like, yes. the dumpster fire. <laughs> How are you navigating following New York sports, being a New Yorker, being in New York, and also following, like, these NBA playoffs? Like, what, what is really sparking you right now? Well, I always tell people, you know, there's sports don't stop. There's, there's seriously no offseason. There's one day that there's no sports, right? The day after the MLB All-Star Game, and that's when they put the ESPYs. So they don't give us – they don't ever give us a day off. But – um. I mean, New York, you know, the, the Knicks are, are, a, are a year, an annual team, you know, that you have to pay attention to. You, if it's not a coach they're hiring, it's free agents, it's trades, it's whatnot. And I think people are just shocked that the Knicks made what seems like an intelligent move right now. So there, there's that, that kind of you don't have to worry about the Knicks as much. And then baseball, um, which continues to really, I, I think we're in a New York bubble because I think we honestly don't know baseball might be dragging in other parts of the country, but in New York, there's never a dull moment with these teams. Uh, what the Yankees are doing right now is incredible. Um, and as it seems like it's been with the last couple of years with the Yankees, it's not exactly how the blueprint looks. You know, things things happen. Like if you ask Brian Cashman a couple, two months ago, what, what would be happening? He'd say, Tyler Wade will be out there raking. Brandon and, Drury. Yeah, and it's like... No, that's that's not how things went down. Uh, the Mets obviously got their the Met fans got their taste of something positive, and then that backfired. Um, I mean, you just got to flip through channels, you know, nowadays. And I also got to give a little bit. The the Rangers still need a new head coach. Oh yeah, um, I'm sorry. Actually, no, let, me, let me give no, you a quick preface here because on this podcast, no, do we talk about hockey? We like that's how we talk about hockey. Just what you just did there, like that's the extent of it, and it's my fault because I I mean I host, produce, whatever. And I don't really do much hockey, so That's I don't. Fine. I don't try to like fake it or anything like that. If you have something, to I, take I on have hockey, one. I have one thing to say say we, about we hockey. <laughs> they had a graphic yesterday, I guess during, I think it was the Lightning. I guess the Lightning Bruins game that when you take the the players in the last like something like five or six years, who the six players who have played the most playoff games, the first five were like Anton Strawman, Ryan McDonough, Ryan like Brian Boyle, maybe Ryan Callahan, and like. I'm missing someone. Like they were all Rangers, ex-Rangers, and it was just devastating. And to was see a, that. a handful of them are on the Lightning. I, a bunch, three right? of them were on the Lightning. I'm trying see, to think. Uh, I do, was, I do hockey. You, you know that <laughs> Boyle on the Devils, and then there was one other, and it was just like, oh man, that's classic Rangers right there. Well, I can't lie. I actually only knew that because you tweeted it earlier today. <laughs> and uh, the and oh, and the six was Sidney Crosby. That's the uh, so oh, Sidney right. Crosby and a bunch of Rangers. And he he does playoffs because he's really good at hockey. He's won the last two <laughs> Stanley Cups, yeah. And speaking of that Twitter, it's simply your name, Jeff Eisenband, at Jeff Eisenband. That's E-I-S-E-N band. 
Yes, oh, very as simple. in rubber band. Yes. Rubber band. Jeff, is that was that like your nickname on, on the basketball just, course? No, no, no. I had a baseball coach that thought it was pronounced Eisen band, so I, I was <laughs> ice at one point. Um, but, worst uh, nicknames. There, there are worse nicknames. Um, then he started calling me Vanilla Ice, and it's like, mm, this is getting a little weird here. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I just heard my dad say his our name like that so many times when spelling it out that rubber band. Count it. I mean, it works for me. And again, at Jeff Eisenman on Twitter, very good Twitter follow. We're gonna we're gonna delve more into sports Twitter of as course. a whole, like later on, because we got some like sports stuff to talk about, and then like the whole realm of sports Twitter, which is like insane. I know when when Twitter uh, when you when you get on Twitter, because I got in like middle high school, mid late high it school. It was uh, it was senior year of high school. I want to say we're looking at like January of 2011. Right. So I, I probably got in the same time. I was a junior, so I, I, I think in 2011 and. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe just our lifestyle was different. So I was tweeting about like sports, but other <laughs> stuff. Now, like my timeline is just crazy sports, crazy all the time. I've uh, figured out a way to block out as much politics as possible. And uh, th- the amount of fans that drive me insane to the amount of fans that I actually love, I'm always just so torn Yo. on sports Twitter, if that makes sense to you. And uh, I feel like your interaction would lead you to the same spot. I We're from New York, right? A lot of sarcasm probably in our timeline. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times people don't get that. I said something yesterday. I was like, and I know we're going to talk about sports Twitter a little more, but just I, I said something that James. So you saw James Harden like bash Dante Exum with the ball in the head, and they called a foul on Dante Exum. Right. And I was like, this is James Harden's game is literally drive, raise the ball, hold on for dear life, take contact, and go to the free throw line. And people are like, oh, that's the MVP's like entire game. Like, oh my god. Like that's obviously not what I mean. Like right. Like, oh, right, yeah, right, step-back right, threes, right. like, obviously, you know, like, I get that. So you got to think about that. And I don't know what you were tweeting about in 2011, but if I, you blow up and become famous, <laughs> like, someone's going to look back at that. I can tell you one thing real quick. I don't know where you are from in New York. If you had Regents for your high school? Of course, school? of course. All right, so boom, Regents. I'm I had a teacher. in high school. <laughs> yeah. In, I remember, like, history, some sort of history region. I went on, like, some Twitter rant because my teacher had literally said specifically to the class, if you take what I've taught you, it's not enough to pass the region. I was like, what? That doesn't seem like a fair thing. So I went on a Twitter rant about that. And I, for some reason, that always sticks out in my mind because like, it's such a stupid thing that yeah, but in that, today's age, I probably would have gotten in trouble for it, realistically. Right. Yeah. But they like, didn't know what Twitter was yeah. back then. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, there are certain, certain people that, uh, like DiVincenzo, Dante DiVincenzo right now. Or, as, what as about Josh leader. Allen? Josh Allen. That was crazy. You got to watch that stuff. Durant's Durant's taking it in stride. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he just called blog boys. Yes. Oh man. All right. Well, let's segue back into real sports and hop off Twitter for a second. Um, like you mentioned in the open, the, the Knicks kind of finally made a hire that didn't drive a lot of people insane. Because if you talk to a lot of maybe old heads, I'll call them, uh, in in the Knicks fan universe, mm-hmm. they they're all in for Mark Jackson. Personally, yeah. I was against that. I didn't want him. Uh, too much nostalgia. Too much weird rumors about his t- days in Golden State and, and and what's going on. David Fisdale for me was kind of the safest quality hire, and I think that new after the news broke, it proved to be that. How did you feel about Fizz yeah. uh, being the Knicks new coach? I I, I thought it was uh, that was who I wanted. Um, I kind of like was like, all right, the Knicks will find a way to screw this up, right? And they didn't. And I think part of it was I, I, I would guess that Fisdale really wanted the job. And, you know, I think there were some rumors that maybe he was going to wait out Milwaukee. And you see there's a crowded field in Milwaukee right now. That's That was the peak job, you know, this offseason was who who's going to get the Milwaukee job that feels 
not necessarily like Golden State 2014, but it's got that there's a lot of good players that aren't reaching their potential right now, which I guess goes back to the Mark Jackson argument of like, if you took when the day Mark Jackson got fired, people were up in arms. Right. You know, people forget quickly. Right. Three. Was it two or three playoff appearances? That franchise had other than the Baron Davis eight seed over the Dirk one seed Mavs like the Warriors had missed the playoffs, you know, some crazy amount of years over 15 years. And and then it kind of obviously Steve Kerr takes the. Um, the run that the Warriors have been on, it, it's it's hurt Mark Jackson's reputation. I honestly think people things he's just said on the air have hurt him that people don't think he's on top of things. I know he is very respected in the league and he would have had that like New York vibe. Um, but I just thought the Knicks needed to find, first of all, not another unproven coach like Derek Fisher and Jeff Hornacek are, um, but a proven guy who was in Miami, who had success in Memphis, even if he was fired, at least you know, showed he he had competence, and a guy who is respected by the players. You know, I think that's important. You right. can't just go after a guy, oh, we think he's a great basketball mind. If the players aren't going to respect him, what's the point? And when it comes back to Mark Jackson, before I get back to Fizz, the, the critiques of Mark Jackson are what scared me. So when mm-hmm. you tell me about, oh, he established a defensive culture, I sure, I like that, I can mm-hmm. get behind that. But then when you tell me the critiques... His offense is in the past. He's not thinking about the new age basketball. He doesn't get along with executives. He kicked Jerry West out of practice. Those are the things that would really scare me with Mark Jackson. Don't need more reasons for drama in New York. And I know Fizz had his thing with Marcus All, which has been scaring a lot of people. But that's his own. That's his only X. Mm-hmm. That's his only thing mm-hmm. really holding him back. The year before that in Memphis, he took a team that played almost like twenty different players throughout the season with all the injuries to the playoffs, and that's impressive. But uh, what did you think about initial? Like as soon as people. Heard about Fizz, even though he's getting announced today yeah. when we release his podcast. He was announced by Woj like a week ago. People jumped right to the conclusion of the, the negative people, I should say. Jumped right to the conclusion, well, how can he get along with Porzingis if he didn't get along with Gasol? Which is a crazy just jump to conclusion, but his first move was that he's going to Latvia to meet Porzingis. How smart is that move to you? I mean, you talked about him getting the respect from the players. Did that just double down that this is a good hire for you? Yeah, I mean, he's got a... You know, I think also, you know, luckily there are probably a lot of Memphis Grizzlies fans listening right here. But, uh, I mean, no. <laughs> it's a different franchise. Like, you know, Marc Gasol owns that town. Um, I don't know, have you ever been to Memphis? I have not. I've been to Nashville, but that doesn't count. The Nashville is about 15 times better than Memphis, first of all. <laughs> um, but you go to Memphis, and I was outside the arena. I was there one night, spring 2015, and there's, a like, a huge poster of Marcus Gasol right outside that said pure Memphis because you know he went to high school in Memphis because he came over when Powell was in school and I mean he runs that town so he has more sway over things than the head coach in Memphis among those fans New York I mean you got to keep up and it's like Fizdale's going to run a tight ship and if someone doesn't want to keep up there's no one in my mind right now in the Knicks that has that level of respect that they can, you know, jump over the coach in that way. Um, going to see Porzingis is great. Um, you know, I think Chris Tapps has, has never really, you know, he's, I think, what, he's had four coaches now. Like, you know. If you count Kurt Rambis. If you count Kurt <laughs> Rambis, like, he, uh, technically have to count this him. will be the, f- the fourth coach. Like, you know, he's taken so much. In st- is this the fourth? Was was Fisher's first year his first year, or am I even missing? Nah, he started with yeah, Fisher, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I believe yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Phil Jackson. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That yada, makes yada, sense. 
Um, that seems no, oh, it doesn't. Oh man, that seems like an eternity ago. So is he still on contract, Derek Fisher? <laughs> he might still be getting paid, or this might have been the last year he's is, getting paid. This is horrible to think <laughs> about. Um, but uh, but I think it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. I think remember Porzingis might not play a game next year. You know, yeah, I think that people sure. and and honestly, probably in the Knicks' best interest. Like if you can land a big pick after that, if Knicks fans can sweat this out, and I'm not saying trust the process the way the Sixers do but like if you wait one more year because especially going into free agency what would what's the point of getting your best player is out at least halfway through the season you know if the knicks are good enough that porzingis comes back in january or february and they can make a run at a seven seed give new york some excitement maybe look good to free agents a year and a half or you know a year from now whatever but i think it's more of like the reason i like fisdale is because so he's visiting porzingis but i mean you have to get someone who's in this for the long run. And that doesn't mean like maybe a Jeff Van Gundy who might have been, let's say, if Jeff Van Gundy really wanted the job, might be the best mind for the job. But he's if he's not going to be patient, what's the point? I'm glad you brought up the process, right? So my thing on this podcast when we talk about tanking and we talk about the process, there's a difference between a true process, which I guess I'll give the Sixers that for mm-hmm. now. They look mm-hmm. like they've done it right, even though they got some really lucky turns uh, by getting people injured to get more top picks, but whatever. They had a coach in Brett Brown who, take away his X's and O's, he established a culture. Even when they won 10 win, uh, they had 10 wins that one season, they played hard. They played defense. They just mm-hmm. weren't good at basketball. Yeah. The Knicks needed a coach who reset culture and, and who needs to be there for, for the long haul. So, in a way, the Porzingis not being there, he's the only player with the utmost chance of having more power than a head coach. There's no one on this team now stepping over Fizz. Well, look, like, look, there's no Marcus All now. Look at the Boston Celtics right now that you're going to have next year. I mean, I think it's crazy, right? When you throw out Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, and Jason Tatum. Let's take maybe it'll it'll end up being Rogier will be the sixth option on that team next year when you're putting in Horford, Hayward, and Kyrie Oof. in terms of the veterans. And you see the the experience that that team is getting right now. They're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals playing their hearts out. It's crazy. And and if the Knicks can you know even if the Knicks maybe don't get the top three a top three pick a year from now but they establish a respectability and win 32 games next year with a depleted roster at least that's something to build on going forward and like visually they play hard they play a good brand of basketball it means a lot i I tend to agree um as long as they don't make any you know dumb decisions in the front office (laughs) like you don't know who they're going to bring in we don't know who they're going to draft either i mean they're they're in a nine hole where it's kind of like a pretty low risk pick i guess in general right like you know if you're picking three and you blow it huge blow to the franchise if you pick nine and you get like an average player to a below average player it, it just happens like that's just what it is it's it's more like the knicks we heard rumors about bringing in ramon sessions for like a decade and now is when they decide to bring him <laughs> in he's off the roster in like a month <laughs> the knicks love, i mean that 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 is classic knicks right there they love getting guys too late like you know when rose and Noah were at their prime we're like or even michael beasley they were that was the one pick and the two pick in the same draft was derrick rose and michael beasley and we've had them in two years in a row both not quite. Of who, course, uh, if you're the number two pick, been. you come through. Derek Williams came through. That's oh, yeah. what the Knicks are about. Those washed up number two picks. Who's, ne- who's next? I got. I got. Th- Evan Turner will be in <laughs> oh, soon. Oh yeah. Soon. He's got a big fat contract in Portland, but hey, when he's done with that. Hey, honestly, if Evan Turner ever made his way to the Knicks on this current contract, that may mean he was a part of a trade with CJ or Dame. I'm just saying. 
unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You got you got you got to dream big over here. Um, <clears throat> one more guy I want to bring up. I don't know if you had any opinions on this coaching candidate. Uh, was Jerry Stackhouse. He was a guy who doesn't have NBA coaching experience because he made a decision to not sit on the bench next to some other head coach. Mm-hmm. He chose to go down to the G League mm-hmm. to build uh, a culture on the Toronto Raptors G League yep. team, which produced Fred Van Fleet, DeLon Wright, Pascal Siakam. He was a candidate who was kind of like my dark horse favorite, mm-hmm. who I didn't think would ever get it, but mm-hmm. I really liked him. Do you think he would have been too much of a risk because he's never even coached an NBA game before. That's what I'm saying. To me, the Knicks had to get a guy who had coached, had to get a guy who's been around the NBA um, and isn't so much of, like, you know, Derek Fisher and Jeff Hornacek, to me, kind of the same thing. It's just, like, former players who should be able to coach, and I know Hornacek had had that that Phoenix stint, but it was just, you know, the thinking of they know the game, Um, as opposed to Fisdale, who was an assistant on those Heat team, you know, the Heat teams that went to all those finals and coached in Memphis. Uh, in terms of Stackhouse, everything around the guy is positive. Everything you hear is he knows what he's doing. He's going to be a great coach in this league. And I think I hear it, it seems like the magic are real. that's really emerging as a place that he could end up in Orlando, which to me sounds it sounds perfect. Smaller market, right? not as much pressure, um, you know, just no distractions coach the team, figure out how to win. You know, these these jobs... Must like, be nice. It's, it's similar <laughs> to like a Charlotte or a Milwaukee, although, speaking of sports Twitter, this has been well documented. Oh, the Bucks, Bucks Twitter. Twitter. Oh, Bucks Twitter is, is something else, Oh, my dude. God. Like They yo, got Jason Kidd fired. They have to be careful what they wish for. They, they got rid of Jason Kidd and ended up with the joke of the NBA playoffs. Like, unfortunately, Joe Prunty, like, I don't know that guy. I don't know if he's a good coach, although, but he got ruined on Twitter. Although, they ended up getting three wins off Boston. Which people thought they should have won the series, and Boston has just demolished the Sixers. So, for real, for real. you know there hey, is that. Shout out Joe Prunty. Joe Prunty's <laughs> trying to trying to <laughs> trying to speak his case right now. Before we segue off of uh, basketball, the king of finesse. I don't know if you ever picked up on this. JB Bickerstaff. Yeah, he was the assistant when Kevin McHale got fired, became the interim. Yeah. The interim when yeah. David Fisdale yeah. got fired. Now the head coach, king of finesse, JB Bickerstaff. Yeah, I mean. It's interesting, you know. Th- this happens a lot. Um, with I was trying to, there's some coach. I forgot what sport it was, but like, I remember this. Uh, maybe it's in college. It it happens in college sports a lot more. Where, um, you know, I was thinking Ed Orgeron, like people wanted oh, him yeah. to stay as the coach of USC, and then he <laughs> got to stay as LSU. So he might be the king of finesse right. of uh, college football, where all of a sudden he like, you know, salvages the job. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I always tell people teams like small market teams like Memphis, like Portland, um, maybe like New Orleans, we'll see. Um, they end up, you know, trying to cling to having a relevant team instead of trusting the process. A city like Philly has so many fans who have been there for so long. They know they can go through a cycle and they'll still have fans. You know, I think in Memphis, they that's the team. That's the only professional sports team in Memphis. And I think that they kind of cling to keeping that team relevant a little too much. You know, signing right. Mike Conley to that big deal. They probably should have knocked it down and started again. 
but that's not the way they operate right in that, in you know with that team. like you said i mean do you listen to ringer nba show by any chance i do chris vernon hearing chris mm-hmm. vernon talk about memphis compared to you know all these new york guys talk about new york it's very different and that's why he you can tell he's a more anti-tanking more against you know just loading up on lottery well, picks he is also employed by the memphis grizzlies <laughs> that might have something to do with it i can't tell uh, but this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. Pete Kennedy here with Jeff Eisenband again, at Jeff Eisenband on Twitter. Check him out. Really good follow. Uh, let's not spend too much time on the Yankees because, you know, let's be honest. It's me. It, it, they're, no, I'm just saying they're, they're so good. Like, oh, what, like they're... what am I supposed to say? Like, Glaber Torres is sick. You know, I'll, I'll say this. I was at WFAN the other day. I was doing my shift, whatever. It was actually it was on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And the, the Yankees were on in the ninth inning. Labor Torres comes up with two men on. At the same exact time, Tomas Nito, the backup catcher for the net for the Mets, he comes up with two men on, both with a chance to win the game. Glebar Torres walk off home run. Tomas Nito strikeout looking within like a 10 second span. And that is the epitome of the past week of New York baseball. I thought you were gonna say of the past like century. You know? <laughs> yeah, <don't laughs> past my, half century. Don't hurt my feelings too much, man. Uh, are you you're you're a big Mets fan? I, I'm a Met, I am a Mets I, fan. But I'm a I'm a well weathered fan. I could I could handle my my uh, my losses. I mean, you know, it's funny because last year people kept saying, Oh, the Yankees are good, but this has nothing to do with those guys they traded for. You know, and now we see Glaber Torres doing what he is meant to do. Insane. Um, you know, it's crazy that this lineup is as young as it is, right? And it doesn't look like Jacoby Ellsbury is coming back anytime soon. I mean, I guess what, Brett Gardner's the oldest guy in the lineup? And he's been struggling. And, you know, you still have Greg Bird to come back at some point. I don't know why people are, are I'm just saying, I'm not saying Greg Bird isn't going to start when he comes back, but Tyler Austin is a good player, and I know he's, you know, dealing with his own injuries right now. Neil Walker can barely stay in the lineup. Um, He's a shell. This this Yankees team is amazing. You still have to wonder about the pitching. Oh yeah, um, because that's been the problem the last couple of years. Um, other than you get a start like the one you got the other day, um, Herman, right? Yeah. Six innings, yeah, uh, no hit ball. Yeah, and they the Aaron Boone said before the game he's on a pitch limit. He took him out. Matt Harvey might be coming to to New York. No, you know, no, knows? no, he won't. He won't. No shot. I. Do you we'll believe see. that's possible? Because I really believe there's zero, cha- zero chance. You mean you don't think that Brian Cashman has been scheming and, and Harvey's been tanking for the last three years? Well, hold on. Number one, Brian Cashman's always scheming. <laughs> Number two, Harvey, I don't, I don't know. No, I, he's done. Like, he I'm, has to go to San Diego. I'm, he has to go to Texas. I'm very interested to see like a team like the Pirates rolling the dice on Harvey or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And, but this is what I would love to see. What if Harvey goes like, you know, 7-0? and over like eight starts before the trade deadline, Mets and some team, some team, like mad. like some team ends up ga- giving Harvey a small contract and ends up trading him or something like. Um, we'll see. I mean that uh, that's great to me. The whole situation is insane. Just from where Matt Harvey was, I mean I'm not telling anyone anything that they don't know, right. but. I think that Peel made way too much of a deal about the partying compared to injuries and other stuff. Dude, the guy had Tommy John. He had thoracic outlet syndrome. He used to throw 98. Now he throws 92. There, there it is. Like that isn't that it? Like he, My, did, he didn't learn how to re like reinvent his game. That has little to do with him being like a drunk. I don't. Like, my, maybe it has something my, to do with it. My favorite thing is when Met fans say that 
Terry Collins keeping him in for the ninth inning with that. That's what put his arm over the yeah, edge. That, like that one inning. That one inning. It no, uh, you're just disappointed with the way that that turned out. You know. Yeah. Um, God, I I almost almost feel bad for Mets fans in that moment. Thanks. Almost. I, I appreciate. Almost. I appreciate you almost but feeling I, bad for me. And but my people. I don't <laughs> because I've been telling Mets fans that Matt Harvey will be a Yankee for so long. And I still think he will. Maybe not this year. That's fair. Maybe not De- this year. Definitely not this year. He will play for the New York Yankees at some point. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that fully, but it's not happening right and now. And it might be a setup man four years from now. He will play for the Yankees. He'll probably win a World Series in a very minor role with the Yankees. Oh, that just like hurts my heart. We, all right, moving on. <laughs> no. Just one one last <laughs> no, point about I, Harvey. The yeah. funniest Matt Harvey story is there's a video of him like I think it was after the Mets clinched the playoffs the year they went to the World Series, and he's just ripping a cigarette in the dugout. God damn. Like not a cigar. He was everyone's not, hero at that point. He used to pack huge lips on the mound. And I know a, base, a baseball background, I played in college. All my friends who were Mets fans, who were baseball players, really latched onto Matt Harvey because he was one of the last pitchers left who just would pitch with a huge wad of dip in his mouth. That, that, would get, that gets the baseball people going. See, Cespedes' uh, neon arm sleeve is a much better uh, – <laughs> for kids, yeah, much yeah. better, much better. <laughs> I don't know how many kids are listening to this podcast, uh, but uh, there are rumors that Cespedes is also one for bogeys in the tunnel. Just saying. That is, that's a swirling rumor. Uh, how do you grade Aaron Boone so far? Uh, obviously really good. Um, Not if you uh, listen to callers on New York Sports uh, Radio, by the way. I don't think there's ever been a manager that was, you know, maybe Joe Torre after, like, World Series number three. But probably not. They probably that. had something on them. Uh, <laughs> everyone, that's the, baseball because there are so many decisions that have to be made. Everyone thinks they can manage a baseball team. Right. Um, you know, I was very high on Joe Girardi. I felt it was a shame that he got fired. And really, he could not have done any better in my mind. And I guess not fired, just not renewed. Um, and so we'll see. You know, there's also everyone thinks that they can be a baseball manager. But the other co- side of it is how much does a manager actually, you know, contribute to the game especially with someone like cashman and especially in the american league Mm. no i mean yeah the yankees won i think they they win one of these games in extra innings one of the walk-off games i don't know i I look back at the box score and you know just noticing that there had been no so no substitutions among batters no pinch runners no pinch hitters so i mean like at the end of the day what what did aaron boone do during that game that's not to refute what, I mean, the Yankees, the way that they've played in the last two weeks has been nothing short of incredible, and he deserves uh, some credit there. But yes, I think that Cashman, and he would have a smug look if he was sitting right here. I mean, he, you have to give him more of the credit than someone like Aaron Boone just coming in and just basically doing the same. Like, what has he really done that's been that different from Joe Girardi? He, he Ma- The way they manage his bullpen, I guess. But, like, has, is, has it been that different? I don't know. I mean, or has Batances, he been following the book? Batances was uh, Batances at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year, you know, and, and that kind of, he, he straightened things out. But, um, I mean, like, there was, you know, remember when they were flirting with Aaron Judge as the leadoff hitter and stuff? Oh, Aaron Boone's going to make a big, no, he wasn't changing anything. Right. Wait, is Batances the one pitcher now for you that, as a Yankee fan, when you see him come out, you're just like, oh, I'm man, not even. He, believe it or not, he doesn't make me as nervous. People freak me out. Me neither, but I'm not but a Yankee fan, obviously. Because but. watching him, he's so good. Like to me, he has so much talent that I don't worry. And he's been able. To, he's gone through some different lulls, and he's straightened things out. And um, I'll tell you what, it's really fun to root for a team with a great bullpen. 
you're so confident. Like, it's like, you know, once you get a little lead, you're confident. You're going to hold on to it. I mean, Cody Allen just blew how many saves against you guys? When you have a guy like that who just can't get it out of his own way, it is horribly just frustrating to watch. But he's a guy, I mean, I remember like the year they went, remember the year they went to the World Series, he was lights out. So, And that he, yeah. he's weird like that. Like he can have a horrible week and then come back and strike out eight hitters in a row. As long as Joe Madden isn't managing your bullpen and throwing, you know, Chapman three innings. <laughs> yeah, just breaking people's right. arms. And Andrew, even honestly, though, Andrew Miller, a guy who used to be a Yankee who was probably one of the hardest guys to let go in that time where there was the flip over, uh, he's now all banked up because he's been throwing a ton of innings. Francona used the crap out of Terry Francona. Um, Francona used the crap out of Andrew Miller. Um, Glaber Torres, Miguel Andujar. Do you think just because Torres is late, um, Late game heroics lately. He has like yeah. a step up in Yankee fans' hearts right now. Or are these guys just both? Yeah, I mean, I think he loves. does because we've just heard so much hype about him, and like that was the trade and everything. And you know, it's been Glaber Torres, Glaber Torres. He's he was ranked. What was he like? The third, somewhere third or fifth, like best, highest prospect. Some people even had him first. Um, I just think it's so funny that Tyler Wade was up and they weren't to start the season. Like <laughs> well, I get they were, they were trying I to get, get the, the the extra year. That's right? I get that with Torres, um, but like. Like, come on. I mean, and at the end of the day, it's not going to matter in terms of wins and losses. Like, could the Yankees have won maybe two or three of those early April games? I don't know. But, I mean, it's funny looking back. And, actually, someone – I saw some tweet today that, like, Clint Frazier and Tyler Wade were having a catch before the game yesterday, like the uh, Real Riders game, which is just also funny that the Yankees have these guys just waiting. I don't know where the the heck Clint Frazier is going to go. Time to say bye-bye to Brett Gardner, man. Yeah, I know, I know that hurts Yankee fans to say. I've been I've been on this train here. Like he, I know the numbers tend to like Brett Gardner's game. He's a really likable player. He plays really hard. He runs. He can play a great defense. He's not a dynamic hitter. Like his best quality at this point is working long at bats, which yeah. is useful. Yeah, I but mean Clint Frazier, man, he got pop. He's got he's got the uh, potential of a glove. I mean, we'll that's see. dynamic. We'll see. Also, I I really. My friends tell me I'm crazy about this, but I get so nervous that the Yankees are going to just stack too many righties in this lineup. It's possible. I mean, look, like they're the in in a lefty friendly ballpark. Isn't that why Neil Walker bats six sometimes because he's a switch hitter? They have like, to. I mean, Didi is sitting pretty because they have to. You know, and obviously he would probably be the MVP of the league right now. For but, real. Um, but of course, just let him rake in the middle of the in the middle of the lineup. There's no one threatening that position from him. Getting sandwiched by Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, the nice. NL MVP and the AL runner-up for MVP. So, even though Stanton, we didn't even talk about him. I, I feel like we just like I'm I'm at the point where I've heard so much complaining about Stanton, and I have one friend who just like hates his guts, and I tell him to shut up because in time he's, he's gonna figure it out. Right? He's fine. Right? He's fine. He's gonna I like that. You know, even if he doesn't. Still worth it. Absolutely. You I know. mean, you, what do you have, like 10 more years or something like that? Yeah, well, yes. Pick out one thing for the Mets. Oh, my God. It's one thing that you can flip from a struggle to uh, an above average that would help the team, what would it be? Um, well, the bullpen. Would you call that the first one? I mean, it, it's kind of a loaded I, question. I, just, I, say can't the, hit. I say the bullpen <laughs> because... The Mets aren't going to all of a sudden flip a switch and start hitting tomorrow, maybe. I guess I feel like the bullpen, uh, to fix an MLB bullpen is a lot easier than to fix your whole lineup because the lineup, you got to go up and down. I mean, remember, the Mets were winning games. The Mets have an unbelievable pitching staff when healthy. If 
I mean, the reason the Mets went to the World Series three years ago wasn't because of their well, partly because Daniel Murphy just <laughs> went off, got super duper hot, but because they had a pitching staff, they were winning these low scoring games, and I think if that's going to be Mets baseball, you know, the Mets, I, I mean, I, I would. Uh, I'm trying to think if I'd take the Mets to make the wild card game right mm. now. Like oh, I probably right wouldn't. now. I, I mean, don't know if two, anybody three, would. Yeah, not not after the six game what six game losing streak. Yeah, uh, three weeks ago I would have said so. And you know to to get there, I could see if the Mets get a re, you know a solid reliever or two at the deadline, which is what we've seen. You know, even like the Yankees do last year. I mean, the Yankees went out and got Tommy Canley and and uh, David Robertson. And that definitely helped them get to Game Seven of the ALCS. Think about how much pressure that took off Batanzas. Batanzas and uh, yeah, yeah, and, and Chappie. Chapman. Chappie's been really, Chappie's been really good. But really, Batanzas and I mean the, for the Yankees, Chad Green has been outstanding too right now. Yeah, um, I don't think Mets fans want anything to do with Hansel Robles running out <laughs> on the mound. Like that's just I, I, honestly the way you explained that answer, I thought it was pretty good because to fix a lineup, I mean Todd Frazier, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Reyes, Drupal Cabrera has been our best hitter. Those other guys aren't going to all of a sudden be two seventy five, three hundred hitters. And they went out. That's isn't that why the Mets got Adrian Gonzalez and went out and tried to get some of the you know make the Todd Frazier like they were they, kind of the last choices though too right they, they were this this they were their veteran rentals let's exactly. put it that way um who could be good next to good players yeah but Conforto stunk Rosario stunk and when those two people stink like you got not you don't have much it's try it now see if it works and by the way for the first couple of weeks of the season it was working. I know. Think know? about uh, like a month and a half ago, the conversation we would have been having. I just think about Yankees fans. The second half of last year were like, we love Todd Frazier because he's from New Jersey. <laughs> yes. And he Shout hits out South River. fly balls. Tom's River, whatever. And he hits fly balls. But, I mean, I, I remember my dad telling me in the playoffs, he's like, he's living up to, he's batting like 210 with the Yankees and he was 208 this season. Like, And then to watch what he was doing with the Mets this year, I was like, I don't think you guys even understand how Kind of bad he was last year, and how he's doing this year. But he's come back, you know. He's sadly been to life a one of bit. the more consistent hitters in the Mets lineup. Yeah, very sadly been the most more consistent hitter. All right, moving on from baseball, let's flip over to basketball again. The Sports Blog New York Podcast. Pete Kenny, Jeff Eisenban, um, talking a lot of stuff. We're gonna get to some sports Twitter. It's actually actually a really big conversation I want to have. I think that's something that you take pretty serious. The whole sports business, social media aspect of of, of sports, and also esports is mm-hmm. what we're gonna get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're getting ahead of the curve with 2K and the 2K League. You just launched your podcast. Should have, should have said that earlier. I buried I buried the promo there. No, no for problem. your new podcast. But yeah, uh, the 102 Pod is what it's called. You can see it on Twitter by that exact name, the 102 Pod. But we're gonna get at, into that a little bit later. Um, these playoffs so far. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm gonna start off with the Cavs since they're kind of like the actually most interesting story at this point, yes. which we thought they were going to be boring or we thought they were going to be eliminated by now. We don't know what was going to happen, uh, but a lot of people just you know kind of thought they'd still be here. They struggled seven games with the Pacers, and now they're walking right through the Raptors. Can you even fathom saying that you're shocked about this, or were you just... I, mean, I don't. I don't know how you thought thought about it before mm, the, mm-hmm, the playoffs started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like for me, I was like the Raptors are going to give them a run for the money. I don't know if they're going to win. I kind of feel silly now that I said that. I mean, I, I I said it like halfway through the year. I kept saying like, God, there's like a a chance. I said I said I still expect the Cavs to make the finals, but if there's any there's ever a year that I'm questioning it, it's right now. And I said to my friend during like 
going into game seven of the Pacers series, just like, who would you take to win the East right now? Like, I think the Sixers. And I was like, I'm still taking the Cavs. And he was like, really? Like, they, they might not even get past the series. I was like, I just don't see anyone else in the East. And the Raptors didn't look that sharp against the Wizards. Um, which, by the way, these things, this happens when you have 82 games and eight teams making the playoffs. The Wizards and Timberwolves were the eight seeds. Definitely not deserving to be the eight seeds. Both had John Wall and Jimmy Butler injuries. If those guys don't get hurt, those those teams are probably the fifth or sixth seeds, and the playoffs look totally different. Right. But that was the case. Um, the Raptors did not look good. Like, if you would have told me before the the playoffs, LeBron's going to go out and just wreck the Raptors, I'd be like, all right, I'm honestly not shocked. Right. If you had told me LeBron's going to go seven games with the Pacers, I'd be shocked. You have to be, right? I'd be shocked. And and credit the Pacers who maybe, you know, have something. It's kind of um, – so the, the Atlanta Hawks in uh, 2014. Their um, number one seed season, 50-something Well, they wins. were the eighth seed. Okay. The Pacers were actually the one seed at the time. And the really? Hawks oh, so took the, them – the Paul George Hibbert year? Yeah, and the okay. Hawks took them like six or seven games. Um and the next year, the Hawks were the number one seed. So, you know, sometimes you see these teams, like we talk, you know, if you go to the West, the Thunder had that year they were the eight seed, and they took Kobe's Lakers deep, and then they became the Thunder that we knew them as. Um, you know, maybe this Pacers team is really going to be good. And the way that Nate McMillan coached them, the way that they that Victor Oladipo played so freely, and kind of these pieces like Thad Young, you know, who were just – Things were working, um, and and so they played with nothing to lose against the Cavs. The Raptors have played with everything to lose. Like the Raptors everything. play every possession nervous, and they know that LeBron keeps beating them. They know, and Kenny Smith has put it best. He's like, they need to change this up because whatever they're doing isn't working. And I listen, Dwayne Casey. I know you're listening to this before the game. <laughs> I know that people. This will probably go on after Game Four, so who knows what'll happen. True, but. Taking DeMar DeRozan out is not the answer for the fourth quarter. And I know they almost won the game. They almost won. They almost won the game. But, like, to me, that's just not not the way that uh, – It's not the way you, you want to go down game. either. It, uh, even, like, if you want to lose – not want to lose. If you're going to lose, you kind of want to lose with your guys out there. It's just – yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we'll see. DeMar will play, like, tonight's game four. I think that I think that it's one of these things. I mean, he was, like, a top-five MVP candidate this year. He's going right back into his position, and he's playing. But, God, the Raptors every year just look like a deer in the headlights when they play the Cavs. This is why I'm really frustrated. I said how I felt kind of silly before the – like, for saying the Raptors are going to make it close before the playoffs. This is why I'm frustrated, and I try not to feel silly. Because what I watched all year was different. When I was saying all all year on this podcast, the Raptors are playing a different game than they used to. They're shooting more threes. There's more ball movement. There's not as much, you know, weird mid range post ups from DeRozan. I I saw a different Raptors team during the season. Mm-hmm. So should I feel silly for thinking they were going to be a different Raptors team in the playoffs? No, no. Or is it just the baby Raptors? No, and the NBA has always been a league where teams have you know whether it's the Pistons knocked off the Celtics who then got knocked off by the Bulls and like you know there there are teams that are always the Kings almost finally got to the Lakers like the Pistons uh the the Pistons couldn't beat the Nets and they beat the Nets and then you know LeBron's took down Lakers too and and took down yeah and it it, so no I think that it was you know you could look at it and say well the Raptors are finally going to figure it out LeBron is treading water with this 
horrid. You know, everyone saw the SNL skit the other night. That was like fantastic. This. Shout out Donald Glover the past like week for him. Unbelievable. I mean, if you if you watch Atlanta, the past nine weeks for him have been awesome. But this past week with him hosting SNL was was awesome. And the power of SNL that you un- unleash a music video in the middle of the night and Saturday night. Dude, by Sunday by Sunday it was like 2.5 million. Incredible. Um, and then what's today? Today we're recording this Monday, Monday. evening. It's probably 20 it million. It feels already. like it's been out for like 2 weeks. Yeah. Um but uh I mean this was where you, you thought oh the Cavs are depleted. Like this is who and and also add to add insult to injury like Jay Crowder balling out for Utah. Dwayne Wade showing up for the Heat. It's he, like he won like Derek, a game or two for the, for them in the first round. Derrick Rose being competent in Minnesota. It's yeah. like it's like they <laughs> that one might hurt the most. The Cavs got rid of all these guys, and and now what? You're playing with Jordan Clarkson, trying to rely on him to. Uh, and first of all, Kevin Love has stepped up this series. Finally, finally, and he stepped up in Game Seven against the Pacers, and he has shown up the last couple couple games. I think Kyle Korver is like still going out there, and all he has to do is wait in the corner. LeBron loves him. He just wait, you know, LeBron. He's like the only teammate I've ever heard that LeBron is like keep shoot, keep shooting, keep shooting, because um, he knows what he can do for him when he starts hitting. He knows what he can do, and he knows that this this is a three point shooting league. So, I mean, the Cavs have made some adjustments, I think, um, and it's been impressive. I still, th- I think they're going to make the finals. I agree. I think they're going to get wiped by whichever team they play, <laughs> which um, we'll get into in a minute. Because I think the Warriors and Rockets are just on a totally different level than everyone else, but. Um, we're going to get the Cavs and Celtics series that everyone would have predicted six months ago. Right. Sands, Kyrie, Sands, Gordon Hayward. Sands, uh, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> true. You know? From flashback to one year ago, a couple weeks from now. Uh, the weird thing about the Cavs for me is that when they're, like, the Kyle Corvers are playing well, when J.R. Smith, when Tristan Thompson's getting offensive rebounds. Yes. I'm like, wow, this is a good team. Like, mm-hmm. this team can, can beat anybody. This That's team can play with anybody. That's what it was meant to be, yeah. They weren't there during the Pacers series, and now they're playing the Raptors, and Kyle Korver has a great game. Love has a good game. Tristan Thompson's all of a sudden revitalized after that Game 7 against the Pacers. And now these people who I'm calling a scrub last week, I'm like, oh, key components, huge huge pieces to this victory. And it's just mind-blowing to me that they were so bad. Like, did did the switch – the switch usually existed for LeBron. Right, he usually took his twelve games off for every year, flipped the switch in the playoffs. Team followed along with them because they were pl- playing hard all year long. This year, everybody flipped their switch off, and LeBron kind of kept his on, or at least he kept flicking it on like most nights. It took the these other guys a full series to flip their switch, mm-hmm. and now they look like a like a really good team again. Mm-hmm. And it's very bizarre for me. Basketball's weird, you know. I was thinking. In the the Bucks Celtic series, Thon Maker. Sorry if it's Mocker. We're gonna call him Thon Macor. 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 I think he played. Didn't play in one of the first two games, and he played like three minutes the other game. They go back to Milwaukee, and because John Henson got hurt, he had to play in Game Three, and he was really good the rest of the Hitting series. Threes, being disruptive, amazing. Like like on the glass and and defending the rim. And I'm watching that, and I'm thinking, like, you know, it's crazy that this guy wasn't going to play this series, and now he is being one of the X factors. So basketball sometimes just has that. Where I remember there was a Spurs series, maybe against the Thunder a couple of years ago, where like, I think it was when the Thunder Durant's last year, they had Andre Miller on their roster, but like no one really noticed, and all of a sudden they like just 41. they just started throwing him out there in Game <laughs> Five, and it's like basketball just, you know, sometimes you change things up, you you change the rotation a little bit. 
and things work and you know maybe it's playing Tristan Thompson a little bit more or, or something like you know maybe you give Ty Lu some credit there that the Cavs not it wasn't anything drastic but just some slight adjustments that they made um have improved and you mentioned I, I J.R. Smith you know he's a, speaking of on and off yeah, and he he's been one of their steadiest and pieces. And he's been great. <laughs> and, and 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 the people have been talking about this. He's the guy that LeBron relies on. And you know, I think LeBron probably said to some of the guys that have been there, the Love, Thompson, J.R. Smith, I rely on you guys. Show up. Like I need you guys yeah. too. Yeah. I think I heard Bill Simmons say this um, maybe mid Raptors series. He said it looked to him. So I'm, I don't want to say like it looked to me because I just heard him say it. Mm-hmm. It looked to me that LeBron went to Ty Lue and said, I need the guys who I've been to battle with before. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. saw Les Clarkson, you saw Les Hood, you saw Les Nance, and you saw all those old heads, mm-hmm. and it worked. Mm-hmm. It really did. Um, let's move on quickly to talk about the Warriors and the Rockets because yep. we want to talk about some other stuff before we say goodbye. Um, do you feel – I'm sure the Vegas odds will slightly favor Golden State if I had a guess here. Do you feel there is a clear-cut favorite? Or do you think this is uh, close to a 50-50? Yeah, I think I think you have to pick Golden State because of the track record. Um, I mean, they've been three they've been to three straight finals. They've won two of the last three. They have the best players. You know, I still think they have never haven't failed other than one game. You know, in the last three years, or I guess three games. Um, <laughs> you know, blew it through when me. Draymond got suspended, but. Uh, I, I, but I think the Rockets, you know, it's it's kind of similar to the Raptors-Cavs situation where it's like, well, the Rockets are better this year than they've ever been. This is the year for the Rockets. But the Rockets have definitely shown more holes in the playoffs than the Warriors have. And, and Rockets went into Salt Lake City and they did an outstanding job these last two games. But in the first series, earlier in this series, they showed they can be beat. There are times that Harden goes a bit cold and has to play his game where he's trying to get fouled and everything like that. Um, they have a deep roster, you know, and Mike D'Antoni manages that roster. You know, with so many shooters, they spread that team around. It's fun to watch, but I don't see how you could take go against the Warriors. I mean, that team, when that team is clicking... It's a tough bet. It's, it's beautiful. It is. It really is, and I think... We got reminded of that quickly. I know they kind of walked through the first round without uh, Steph Curry. We got reminded pretty quickly when Steph Curry returned. Uh, what was it, game two of the Pelican series? He entered the yep. game. They were down maybe eight points. He came in, hit his first three, hit another shot. Why didn't they start him? That was like, come on, come on, Steve Curry. I, right? Yeah. I guess I don't, I, that's a good question. Why not just throw him in? He ended up playing like 25 plus minutes yeah. anyway. They were still down four points. It felt like they were up by 30. Mm-hmm. And it was just mm-hmm. like, all right, well, this game's over. Mm-hmm. And they went on to win. They ended up losing in the next game, obviously. But with James Harden, he has these moments where he does the same thing he does every other game, but those shots don't fall. Mm-hmm. So his 12 free throws don't matter because he was 2 for 12 from 3. Can with, with Houston, I guess my question is, do you have to live with that? Because in order to get the great 40-point performances from James Harden, you might have to live... With a with a twenty eight point performance, two for thir- ten from three. Well, I've been most impressed with the way that Daryl Morey has built that roster. That they can still win games when Harden isn't at his best. So, of course, they're more likely to win when he's at his best. And where they really struggle is there have been games where him and Chris Paul just both haven't shown up, and that's a problem. Then they're done. Um, you know, <laughs> Pro- I, probably. They're then they're done. I think that it's been in, 
you know, people hated on that move that Harden and Chris Paul can't coexist, and obviously they have. Um, you know, they won the most games during the regular season. I think they've won over like 85% of games when they both play. They figured it out, and because that's the NBA now. I mean, when you, the, the Rockets can put out there, you know, this lineup where they spread Harden, Chris Paul, uh, Ariza, and they'll put out like Eric Gordon and spread them around, and they'll play, you know, Capella just in the middle. Shout out Clint Capella, by the way. Yeah. He's been very good. And he does, but that's because you only need one big guy in today's NBA out there. So, you know, he does his job and they spread that team around, but the Warriors are a different opponent. They can beat, the Rockets can beat everyone in the league except the Warriors, in my mind, with their eyes closed. Um, I think they would wreck the Cavs, but I think they'll lose to the Warriors in six. War- oh, so you got Warriors in six? Warriors in six. Warriors in six. They're, that means because uh, that means they'll win in Houston because Houston win, has the home court a, advantage. But and you mentioned Bill Simmons before. Simmons always says that Houston has one of the worst home court advantages. I've been hearing that in, a lot. I think Cowherd was saying the same thing it's, today. It's just not that lively of a Damn. crowd for whatever reason. It's unfortunate. Also, you know, Harden lulls the defense to sleep. He might lull the crowd to sleep. I personally like. I'm a huge basketball nerd. I will. I'll watch in the middle of the season. You know, I'm watching Jazz versus Pelicans, and I'm I'm super into it. I which I guess at this point would be a pretty good s- series. But <laughs> in the middle of the season, no one's interested in that. Like, so I'm always interested in James Harden. There's a lot of complaining on Twitter. I guess we can segue this into our Twitter conversation here. People complain about James Harden getting fouls. Is that something that bothers you? Does um, or or do you find it fun to watch? No, Both of those questions. I I think it's um. I mean, I was a guard when I played basketball, and I know that I tried to take a lot of contact and get foul calls. I think it's part of the game. I think that James Harden is a rich man because he knows how to take a foul. Um, if he gets fouled, it's a foul. You know, if That's he's it. playing, if he's playing within the rules. And I know, do we do we talk about it on air on this or or before we started about him? I think it was before XM. we started. So I was saying that like he he bashed the ball uh, into Exum's head. I, I don't remember. I think that was on air. Maybe it was on air. <laughs> But uh, that, uh, you know, that's if, if, yeah, it was on air. But if 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 Harden manages to figure out ways to get fouls and his team is winning games and he's putting up massive numbers and becoming the MVP because of it and they are fouls, then they're fouls. You know, I think people just get frustrated because the guy gets fouled a lot. But, you know, go back and watch Shaq highlights. And I'm not talking about hack a Shaq. Shaq could get fouled time and time the amount of n1 opportunities Shaq had because he was so big and he'd get slapped and absorb contact and probably in today's nba it'd be which o- is a little softer fouls. no a little softer he'd get even more calls True. you know so i mean the thing with harden that just blows my mind when i watch him is how in control he is that dude will perp- like he'll get by somebody he'll blow past someone and then purposely slow down to draw the guy back to set up the big who's protecting the rim to draw him away from the hoop, throw alley-oops to Clint Capella, hit those floaters, get fouled. I think it's personally incredible. I guess does anybody who's great, and here's a quick take for you, anybody who's great is going to end up getting hate. So Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell is a rookie who everybody loves at this point. You know, like I was very high on him in the draft, couldn't have expected this. Everybody loves him. He's starting to get a little chippy with his mouth. He's starting to talk. He, th- he, he, he threw shade at Harden yeah. after the game. Yeah. If he like even Donovan Mitchell, who's this very quality human being, well spoken, smart, great player, if he continues to be this good, he'll get haters by middle new year next year. By the way, let's just so this is sports blog NYC. Let's shout out Donovan Mitchell. Elmsford, born Westchester County. Oh, right. played AAU in New York. Okay. Which you, also just adds to the Knicks missing. Yeah, missing I know. And his dad works for his the Mets. His dad works for the Mets. 
born and bred a New Yorker, would definitely have some takes on this podcast. Oh, um, man. I mean, I think that, like I was saying, if I was in middle school right now, I would have a Donovan Mitchell jersey. Right. Like, no doubt. He's the guy right now. He's the guy. He's but, Dwayne Wade from, from whatever, 10, 15 years ago. He's got this likability of just, like, being a humble guy. Everyone, like, no one believes in us. Uh, sort of mentality. I, I think he'll he'll have it going for a little bit longer because I think here's the thing: next year, when the regular season starts, no one's gonna watch jazz games. Again. Yeah, I was just say. Like, plus, he plays like in Utah. People, I'm the only one watching jazz games from New York. And, and credit <laughs> TNT for putting a lot of, and ESPN for putting a lot of jazz games on. And if you did watch the late games, which I guess only basketball nerds and people on NBA Twitter watch right. on the East Coast, which you and I partake. Like, yeah, like I watched a lot of jazz, and I was like. This guy's really impressive. Um, and in the playoffs, people have woken up to, oh, my God, he beat Westbrook. Like, oh, my God, this guy's really good. Yes, he's been playing this way for most of the season. Yeah. But um, I think he'll go back into his Utah shell, and there won't be enough people watching him to hate him. Right. Shout out Quinn Snyder, too, for real. Incredible. Oh my God. Incredible. All right. Jeff Eisenband, Sportball Game NYC. How do you do, how do, you do Trolls? How does how does Jeff Eisenband do trolls? I I try to so it, it depends on what the troll says. If it's really bad, I'm not gonna even say anything. Like if there's right. a lot of language, a lot of sexual stuff, a lot Whoa, of you, there's some there's some <laughs> stuff that goes on. Like you know that's not getting responsive. It's something just like anger or as I said, people don't understand sarcasm. Like I'll give a witty response back. Um, I mean I like hearing what people have to say. I don't understand the satisfaction that people get out it's of like insane. I disagree with your take so and you have a blue check mark so I'm going to go <laughs> in to give myself the satisfaction of possibly proving you wrong and it's like I'll tell you we're talking about like okay the Utah Jazz let's say I- I'm going to give myself I watch parts of 14 Jazz games this year let's say okay. that's very generous that's like probably may- more know, than most also maybe maybe it was more like 8 but like I liked watching Donovan Mitchell. I wanted to see what was going on with the Rookie of the Year race, like I watched. And I might say things about the Jazz, like, you know, oh, like Ricky Rubio did, blah, blah, blah. And there'll be people, like Jazz fans. Wait, can I? Oh, you go first. Who are like, you didn't watch every game this year. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, okay, if that if you get that satisfaction because you only watch the Jazz and I don't, congrats. But it's like... Not everyone is gonna watch every single game, every single of every single team. How do you feel about this response? This one, this one's usually fun for me. So you say Ricky Rubio, oh man, Ricky Rubio had a tough night shooting. Mm-hmm. Fan responds, LMAO, bro, he's shooting higher than he ever has before. LOL. Like, how do you people who f- find it like they automatically win the point yeah. if they put LMAO because <laughs> that those people exist. Very I, I heavily mean, into I Twitter. would probably say okay, but he shot thirty two percent tonight. Right. Like that's like the it's a fact, you know, and and that's why I think it's important, like, not to be like the Skip Bayless of I'm gonna make a general statement that is backed up by zero facts whatsoever, just because I'm gonna put that out there. That's not me, but like. I mean, it's amazing that the response that people have. Like, it's okay to disagree, and you don't have to win a point. Like, like the LMFAO people, that's it. It's done. Right. There's no conversation. It's just that's it. They just think you're dumb, and no matter what you say, they, you can't change that's their it. mind. So I'm like, okay, there's a lot of people <laughs> in the world. You don't have to follow me. Yeah. It's a lot of Twitter, Twitter fish in the sea. That's a good point. Um, 
I also remember one thing, you know, because you'll you'll dive into non-sports realms on occasion. You know, you're not afraid to state your opinion on certain things, which is awesome. I I, I appreciate anybody who it's, it's be awesome to sometimes. Do that. Well, yeah, it's awesome for somebody who would be willing to have a back and forth conversation rather than the LMFAL mm-hmm. crowd. Mm-hmm. I remember one person responded to a tweet you put out, which was you know a semi-serious tweet. I forget what the topic even was, but they were like, "Wow, you must be fun at parties." Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, I've gotten that like. I've gotten that before. It's like, dude, you don't know how I party. <laughs> it's like, I think, you know, maybe would I have been a more self-conscious at age 16? Like, am I fun at parties? Uh, <laughs> now it's more of like, you know what? Like, most of the parties I go to are people talking about Donovan Mitchell's uh, <laughs> yeah. ability to go to his left. Like, um, you know, it's it's people get satisfaction out of that. That's more of like a, an American society right now of like, you're saying something that's clean and, you know to the point like and not just opening up to crazy discussions like you're not fun at parties then right clearly you have no social life you're a loser and you have no friends yeah because you said one point yeah (laughs) my bad it's insane um all right let's get into some some other things before we say goodbye you have a new podcast out yes that the topic on your new podcast the 102 pod is about the 2K League, the NBA yes. 2K League. Now, I know you also do some really cool stuff mm-hmm. um, on Twitter, on Twitch, not also on Twitter, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. You do some stuff on Twitch with 2K where you mm-hmm. play with like NBA yeah. people. You just yeah. play with Mikel Bridges. Yep. You play with Markel Fultz. Right? Yes. No, you, sat, yes. you did yes. something with Markel yes. Fultz. Last Dennis August. Smith Jr. Yep. Uh, you had on Emmanuel Moutier. And now you're getting ahead of the curve. This 2K League just came out. I haven't seen another NBA 2K podcast like there's some so i mean i'll I'll backtrack with so i've done hosting for the nba twitch page um so like last year we did uh with six rookies uh markel folds dennis smith jr luke Kennard, De'Aaron fox who's a huge gamer um, huge i follow my instagram yeah. huge gamer did i say lonzo lonzo ball and uh donovan mitchell so you're in a room Um, let's set the scene here you're in a room so they came in one by one okay I'll, I'll let me say first of all, Donovan Mitchell was first both days. We did two days. Uh, one day we played Nintendo 64 with them. It was Flashback Friday, and then we did the following morning. We did uh, the NBA Live. People came in, and it was kind of like an influencer thing. Um, Donovan Mitchell, nice guy. I'm kind of like, oh, you're great. You know, it's a sh- in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it's 13th pick. I'll probably be the worst of these guys. <laughs> like whatever. Um, and then like they all come in one by one. Lonzo Ball did not know how to hold a Nintendo 64 controller. He no never way. played Nintendo 64. He thought, you no know, you're way. supposed to hold it on the ends, which is not the case. You're supposed to, you know, you we're, we're not that much older than him, are we? He's uh I think no. I mean, he's, he's like, like uh, 20. he's like a 98 or 99. Does that make sense? Yeah, he, has more, um, he has so much more money. Yeah, than he's, us. Like 90, Wait, <laughs> he's like a 98 <laughs> birthday. He's got a lot of money. Yeah. His family has a lot of money now. Um <laughs> He, uh, but so, but that was just, that was funny. Markel and Dennis Smith Jr., they played AAU together a lot. Markel's from the DMV area. Dennis is from North Carolina. They were like, they were the most hilarious people I've been around. Just cracking jokes. Like they've known each other for so long. Dynamic duo sort of stuff. Um, and I'm rooting for Markel because he, I had a lot of fun with him. And I think that he's gotten a lot of crap this year that, he doesn't necessarily deserve for someone who's 19 and still has a lot of potential. Um, but th- so then what I've done is I- I've done some other um, hosting. We've done about w- roughly every other week we do a, a show uh, called NBA Out of Controller where we play with an NBA alumni, an NBA player, M- Mikhail Bridges, uh, right. an NBA prospect. Most recent. Um, and so then that through that I kind of got 
into the NBA 2K League stuff, uh, was following as the kind of met some of the prospects along the way for the league. Um, I did sideline reporting for the draft um, for the NBA 2K League, and I was around this weekend, and I started this podcast called the 102 Pod. There's 102 players in the league, so they call themselves the 102. 17 NBA teams bought in times six. There'll be more teams. I've heard, people have already pointed out that 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 that's that name to me it's like the original six. You know, it's like right, that's right. that's where we started with. Um, but so staying true to the roots. When I was doing this, these interviews on the red carpet with these guys, like I don't think people understand. I'm not going to go into the the whole logistics of the league, but these guys are getting paid. A lot of them, this has been a hobby, and a hobby. I say like there are guys that were like factory workers and delivery men and like people that that worked a ton of you know minimum wage blue collar jobs who got to give their two weeks notice to play video games for a living at on the dime of an nba team it's incredible so i looked at that i was like there are so many stories to tell i really want to uh tell these stories what can i do i can i can do a podcast i'm in new york they come to play in new york every week so you said i think there are a couple other podcasts out there that are about the league my idea is to do interviews right. with the people the actually players, involved. The people like, who, who make the league a thing. We'll talk about some of the results, but what I want to do is really tell the stories. So, like, the first one I did is with uh, Dimes, who was the number one overall pick, and his, his head coach. And we talked about, you know, just, like, how he became the best NBA 2K player, you know, in the world. And he like, was the what, number one overall like, pick. He's getting, he's getting stopped. Kids are, like literally crying when they see him in supermarkets in dallas right now like like little kids and he's like, like he's not a super like, he's an unopposing dude right no, like he's, he's how, how big like, he's not super tall like he, he's not like an nba he, athlete no he's a stocky dude but he's not like an nba he no he's not that's that why tall. I mean, like, he's not like walking no, in the room no. holy crap the guy's yeah. no 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 tall. he's not like that he's 23 like yeah. he's just like uh and it's funny, he, I told him he's the oldest player on his team. Um, <laughs> Is he really? Yeah, yeah, 23 <laughs> going on 24 this week. Um, but so, and then the second episode I already taped with uh, Famous Enough, who is the oper- gaming operations manager for, the, for Heat Check Gaming. He's a guy that served in the Army, two different stints in Iraq and Afghanistan, came back, like, was, went back to school, you know, and was gotten to the NBA 2K community and became kind of like, he's an, you know, a little bit older. So he almost became like a, like a guardian to some of these guys, right. um, getting them, trying to help guys make money. And now he's running a team and like, he's, he's a big influencer in the league of just like this kind of like the wise, like the sage of the league. That That's really cool. I mean, the one thing that sticks out for me, I think it's really forward thinking. That's the best thing. I know I listen to the herd a lot. I don't know if mm-hmm. you ever partake mm-hmm. in the herd. Christine Leahy has yep. been big on the esports. Yeah, I don't know what. Well, league. she does American Ninja Warrior, right? Right, which isn't and necessarily esports. She does but. some hosting for one esport league. Okay. It might be like a League of Legends Overwatch or one of those, league maybe. Or something. I play, I play, I play some Overwatch. You play myself. some Overwatch. So I, I follow that on Instagram a little bit. Um, but Colin would always joke about it. And he's been coming around because I think he realized this is going to be a real thing. And I, did did you kind of see this and say? All right, this feels like it's not super real yet, but it might get there. I want to be in on this, or did it happen just fall on your lap? Like how did how did you get involved, really? Well, it happened. I mean, I've been hearing the last few years esports, 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 and people want to, you know, I get like esports pitches and stuff like that, and and I think that Adam Silver put it best at the NBA 2K League draft this year. He said that this is gaming, this NBA 2K League. It's there's tra- there's what people now call traditional esports, which is like League of Legends, Overwatch, right. Halo more of like your your shooter games um and then the sports leagues is mirror 
MLS and NHL have already bought in. They're going to do their own leagues coming up too. Um, I mean, Madden used to do this stuff way back when. Madden, Madden still does like the Madden Bowl and stuff. They should do an NFL-sponsored league because the organization that this has is different than anything else that's been before it. And I think that what it comes down to, to me, is the people that are watching the NBA 2K League are more likely NBA fans than like Overwatch fans. Right. They're not the same demographic. So this is more of like an extension of the sports community in my mind, which is where I took interest. I play NBA 2K. Like I, I pay attention to it. Um, and I wanted to, I, I got to know some, a bit of the community doing these, hosting these NBA. I, I hosted two amateur tournaments last year. And, you know, I, I noticed the the excitement around these people how talented these people are how exciting the actual games are you know it, it, like we all a lot of us play video games and to see people who are really freaking good i was playing 2k yesterday and <laughs> I, did you watch did you watch any of the competition last i week? saw or like, like maybe extend, some highlights. i saw the extended highlights like first of all i don't think people realize it's five on five like your control like each player is controlled it's Which not is incredibly one person, hard so, to do so you have to there's a lot of team chemistry that goes into that you're playing you have to if you're the small forward and you're the fifth best player on your team i mean you have to play you're a role player you have to be bruce bowen yeah like, you can't you can't try to be lebron like you do and you're my player when you're playing against a computer like you exactly. can't do everything like you spread it wide you set picks there needs you play to be a hard center. defense there needs to be a center there needs to be so watching that watching them like the competition was pretty much even and there's no commercials. So, you know, I had the end of the, I was sitting in the press room watching the Sixers Celtics game on my laptop, which was a great end to the game. But the amount of action that actually happened in the 2K league on the other TV during like the fourth quarter and overtime, I mean, it was leaps and bounds different. Do you dabble in Fortnite? I do. Um, On a personal note or on the gaming note, like or both? Well, on a, all these guys, on, a, on a personal playing note. I heard you um, ask Dimes. You're like, all right, so you're playing well, 2K. Yeah. And then you're like, and I know you're playing Fortnite. He's well, like, oh, yeah, of course, Fortnite. Because I talked to him. I interviewed him a month before the draft. Um, and we talked about, he was telling me that at that point he was training on 2K 10 hours a day when his team, because he was playing on an amateur team, when his team would put down the controllers, he'd pick up Fortnite. Fortnite and play like two hours of Fortnite. That was like his time off. That was like his, <laughs> his like his, his like decompress is play Fortnite, go to sleep, do it all again. Um, and when I talked to to Famous, he was telling me that the the Heat, so they train like right now he, they have them. Uh, it's like noon to sort of like 10 p.m., but that doesn't mean they're playing every second. They're like taking some breaks and stuff. And then he said after that they don't leave the what they call the gaming studio, kind of like their practice facility they right. just put fortnite in and play fortnite That's and they all have their own monitor so they could just all play as a team so i knew that dimes with the mat with mavs gaming was playing so that's why i asked him and like he's like of course that's insane. That's their recreation. I mean, think about their life. I mean, granted, you know, you work full time in sports. Sometimes I'm sure you're doing things uh in your career where you're like this doesn't feel like a job. Obviously there are some things that feel very much so feel like a job. When I do this podcast when I'm at the radio station, doesn't really feel like a job mm-hmm. these guys are playing video games for hours and hours but like you said it's training it's practice does this feel like a job from your perspective does this feel like a job for them yet um i, I think so I, I think that also the nba has done an outstanding job putting them through the same rookie transition program that the nba players get are you talking like from a media perspective from a they get they get media training that's legit they get, they get everything that that the nba that the NBA players get. So they've made them feel 
like NBA players. You know, they they're around the part of the reason competition is every weekend here in New York, but they go home and they train in their home cities and they engage with the community. Like they're not playing any home games other than Knicks gaming, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, Every game is a home game. They're not playing. They're not playing any home games, but they're engaging with the community. They're they've kind of made them like you guys are going to be role models to a lot of people, and we're gonna you're gonna make money because you're gonna we're gonna get you sponsors, and you're gonna do appearances. You're gonna carry yourself accordingly. Um, And I know there was some noise that was made that like a couple guys had some stuff on social media and were not allowed in the league, kind of like a background check. That's insane. Um, But I'll tell you, the other thing about these guys is they've all been playing on these amateur circuits for years together and they all know each other. They also like like there's not that those fierce like people aren't about to get into fist fights because (laughs) they've known each other for so long. So it's like a guy from jazz gaming might be watching one of the other games with someone from Raptors Uprising gaming in the crowd because they're friends and they're just like hanging out. So it's cool to see that among the community. It's cool. Someone asked me, what was it like in the studio this weekend? It's mostly right now, like the other players, influencers, people and friends of friends, like people in the community. So it's loud in there because they all take this, like this is their life. I mean, they're hitting a big shot or dunking on someone's head and they're out of their seat. Like let's go. I seen in the highlights, they're getting out of their seat and they're screaming, they're yelling. And they have it's headsets legit. in. So they like it's, it's legit. It's probably just like exponentially loud for them in their in their like piercing their eardrums. That's awesome, man. That's really cool that you're in on the ground floor there. Um good for you again. The one oh two pod. Hit it on Twitter at the one oh two pod. Is it it's on It's on Twitter. Is right it on now the, we're just on Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes. The whole nine? Yep. Cool, man. I, I checked that episode one. I look forward to that one with Mr. Army Man. What's his yeah. name? Famous what? Uh, famous enough. Fam- He's got a famous purple enough? afro. Dude. That's that's a story right there. From from two tours in Iraq or wherever he was. Iraq and Afghanistan, one each. Can you just imagine I can't even put my myself into his shoes being serving. Like that's amazing. But imagine being in Iraq and thinking in five years I'll be a professional gamer. Like that's well, that's yeah, a crazy it story. Even. He comes uh, not to ruin the podcast, but he comes yeah, a back. Tease, a comes tease. back, sees his daughter. The second tour was like, I'm not going back again. His daughter lives in Orlando. Uh, with her mother he was living in indiana now he's running heat check gaming in miami oh so now he's in miami part of it he's closer to his daughter like there the, um, t- the, there are stories that's really cool there are some amazing stories here that's really really cool jeff eisenband the postgame.com sports blog new york podcast jeff thank you a ton for doing this hopefully you enjoyed and uh, this podcast is out all over if you like what you've heard if you like jeff if you like me hit us on twitter at sportblog nyc my personal is at p kennedy two wise he's at jeff eisenband don't forget to leave a little uh, rating and review. Drop in five stars. It takes two seconds. Click five stars. If you feel so kind, tell us what you think. And don't forget to check out the 102 pod as well. And NBA Out of Controller. That's really yep. cool. His most recent episode with possible future New York Nick. So a lot of people think the Sixers, he, you know, he's a Philly guy, went to Villanova. The Sixers are going to get, I think, the Kings pick right in that area. We'll see. We'll see. A lot of people uh, here, maybe listening to this podcast, want him on a Knicks. He might be uh, a processor. We shall see. But Jeff Eisenman, thanks a ton. You have a great day.